Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. This is Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station. 106.3 KXNO. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Miller and Condon here on a Thursday, Des Moines Sports Station 106.3 KXNO. It's Trent Condon and Ken Miller for the next couple of hours to talk sports with you. Thanks for tuning in, uh, at least for a portion of the morning. Hope you can stay throughout. BMW of Des Moines guest list shapes up as follows. We will start by heading west to Lincoln, catch up with our buddy Sipple on 3 Media. It is Nebraska and Iowa tonight. Nebraska's had a, well, a couple of good wins. Um, Iowa trying to get back into the win column, so we'll preview that and catch up on what's going over there in the football program with our buddy Stephen M. Sipple from On3 Media. Bill Bender's here from the Sporting News. We'll take a look at the playoffs uh, with Bill Bender about uh, 11.45. Some of the other big games as well with Bill. Matt Postens covers the Big 12 college basketball Basketball and football uh, for Heartland College Sports. He'll be here at 12.05. And then we'll head back down to Nashville. I think we've only got two voices left that haven't joined us that are covering this squad, other than uh, Leistico and uh, Skinny Kenny, who you will hear on these other radio shows uh, on this station. And Hawk Central tonight, as it was pushed back a day I because saw of that. Yeah, that's right. So they are going to be on the air at 6 tonight from Nashville. Uh, so good stuff. But we've got David Eichel joining us. Is, uh, he'll be in here about 10, or 10.30, 12.30 or thereabouts before we give four of you an opportunity to win some barbecue from Claxon's 3131 8th Street Southwest in Altoona. Well, you are on fire. Your picks are going to come up at the end of the show. We'll have yes. to save time for that. I know normally on Claxon's you only put out a couple, but I think that the audience wants more, more, more because you're on a heater. 11-3 and three yesterday. I gave 14 picks out on the air. We zipped through them quick, and it was one of those but we nights. reminded people to go to the Action Network yes. because there you can see your picks. And this is a non-paid endorsement. We're not getting money from the Action Network, nothing yeah. like that. And you're not getting paid for these picks? No, not at all. But I, I seriously will tell you, this is something just as a gambler, and I'm going to guess a pretty big portion of our audience is probably in the similar path. The way this helps me the most is you go to make a pick. Let's just say Iowa-Nebraska. So you click on the game, right, on the Action Network app. You click on the game, and it tells you the point spread in all the different books synced up with Iowa. So I have Circle Listed. I have DraftKings. I have FanDuel. I have Bet Rivers. I have Points Bet. Got them covered. I think that's all that I have. I No, I, I have Caesars because that was, right, originally yeah. the first one that we had with Will Hill. Will Hill. So I have those all there, and if there's a difference in the point spread – it tells me right there. It updates in real time, so I can go in that half point, which, yes, I know in the grand scheme of things, if you're a novice, it doesn't feel like it's a big deal, but overall... Help you hurt you a couple of times every year, yep, Trent. absolutely does, and that, the difference between a push and mm-hmm. a win, a difference between a loss and a push, mm-hmm. those things add up over the course of the year. It tells you right there, and if you have money in a couple of different accounts, even if it's just two different accounts absolutely do that just for your own sake but then you can follow along with my picks you just see search t condon is my username over there or trent condon action network it'll pop up and you can find it but over the last month we've been hot and uh, after yesterday's plus nine units as we went 11 and three against the number uh, we are up over the last 30 days and it also tracks this for you as you put your picks in we're up 45.6 units 154 105 and three a 15.8% return on investment. Now, 
Um, it's not always going to be this way. No, no. Trent will be the first to tell you. <laughs> yeah. But you get on one of these rolls mm-hmm. and you just keep going with it, right? Because September and October were terrible for me. I was awful. And it didn't matter if it was baseball playoffs. It didn't matter college football, which I really struggled all season long. Been a lot better here towards the end of the season of bowl year. But those are those times that you just you don't know what's different. I haven't changed anything. No, the biggest thing is college basketball. I feel like by far it is the sport that I handicap the best. It's the one that I play the most. I play volume. I play a ton of games. And it's just something that I feel the most comfortable betting. And that's probably a part of it, too. We're in college basketball mm-hmm. season. This is something usually when I get on here, or not every year. It's not, it's not every year that that happens uh-huh. either. But feeling really good right now, seeing it well. And we got some picks coming up today, including that Iowa-Nebraska game. All uh, good stuff. And the number's four, I think, right now. Nebraska getting four from the Hawks. So just just real quick. So when you go to the Action Network, for people that you know do want to now chronicle your picks, mm-hmm. follow along, w- w- once you get there, where did they go first of all? Uh, you can go to, there's a little tab called Follow. So you can follow people. I, I know Chris Williams is on there. He tracks his picks as well. So you can follow along with him. A couple of not professional gamblers, actually guys that work for the Action Network. Stucky is a guy that I've tailed for a long time, big college basketball, better college football. Um, but you can just find different people. You can find people that are pros that track their picks there. You can find people that are just hot, too, and you can search that way and see you know who has been the best verified mm-hmm. picker over the last 30 days, and you can go that route. And to just find different people, and you find ones that you like, and, and that's, that's key to this, too. I mean, I do my handicapping. But there's people I really respect that I'll tail. And you know, there's a couple of Twitter accounts out there right now. I was telling you before, there, there's one guy, he is basically, I, it's Iowa Expected Value, is his Twitter account. And it takes all the promos that are out there here in the state of Iowa and says, all right, this day, FanDuel's giving away a 20% boost for this. And this one's got this prop up. And instead of minus 180, it's 100. And what the actual expected value is then, on that pick. So it tells you kind of the way that he's playing and the way that the most value that is out there for all these promos, and there are a ton of them every single day, mm-hmm. that route. Those kind of things I think are important when you're trying to build your portfolio, do things a different way, and uh, just find those people out there because gambling Twitter, it can be a cesspool. Yeah. As I see our, our buddy Jeff Benson at Circa deals with some of the ugliness on a day-to-day basis. But, but he's not shy. He is not at all. No. And he'll fire right back yeah. at him. There are some ugly, ugly parts of gambling Twitter, just uh-huh. like there is with Cyhawk Twitter or yeah. whatever team you follow. There's also a lot of good stuff out there and good people to follow along with as well. Well, one of those, what was it, Vegas Dave? Was that the guy? Yeah. This is a real shyster. Oh, you uh, can find him everywhere. Yeah. Right. So, as we talked about yesterday, we both felt that yesterday was going to be our first, you know what, let's get into these bowls. And man, I was. And mm-hmm. you know what, the, the games, uh, the way they played out certainly didn't hurt. Um, I mean, even early, I was kind of rooting for Duke, right? I found myself rooting for Duke of all teams. Uh, but then the Kansas Arkansas game, and I'm like, I'm guessing like the majority of people, I turned it off. Yeah. I turned it off. There's other stuff going There's on. There's other stuff. I was exactly. watching the UConn Villanova game, which was really good. Then all of a sudden I opened up Twitter. Twitter. Right. And oh, oh. And I think it was, was it 38 24 or something? But, yeah. yeah. And then I'm like, that's uh, when I rejoined too. And I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to have it close, just in cl- have yeah. the clicker close, just in case. And then I saw it's thirty eight thirty. I'm like, yeah. okay, now it's time to get over there. And what he finished? Oh my gosh! And then to end in that fashion, yeah, for take, Kansas, it take take it out of the kids' hands. You run it. Daniel's been so good all game. The Philly special, uh-huh. and that. 
tight end that leaked out late. He was mm-hmm. wide open. He was Trent. The ball just sailed. Well, I've seen two different uh, two different uh, write ups on it. The ball sailed, or that the tight end had his head down and didn't see the ball as it was it was as in flight. I, I, I tend I don't to believe think he was getting to that ball. Yeah, I don't think, think it was, was either. Feet in the air. I, I agree with that. That was the backup quarterback, Bean, that was running that play. Mm-hmm. Uh, but boy, oh boy, that was entertaining. It was. We both liked the Arkansas coach Pittman. We mm-hmm. both kind of root for him a little bit. One of those stories about a lifer, right? Finally getting a chance. And um, he doesn't look like your typical coach, right? right. He's not going to be the slickster and 40 uh, year offensive line coach. You're right. Just grinding this, away. Absolutely. And, and you kind of gravitate towards these kind of common, if you will, dudes. Um, and, and good for him. And then the Holiday Bowl. I mean, we identified, I'm not saying we were first to find Drake May. We weren't. <laughs> no. But we started talking about, because we didn't, you won't let us talk about the ACC. Well, Most years you're right. And nobody cares. No, I get it. I get it. Of, of the Power Five conferences, it's the one that, eh, yeah. you know, come talk to me when Miami and Florida State, they got a pulse and, you know, some yes. of these teams. It's just not Clemson and everybody else. But this Drake May, folks, I, I'm telling you, he is absolutely going to be, I think talked about you know the, the Joe Burrows, the, the Josh Allens, the the young guns in the league, the Herberts, the Mahomes. I'm sure we're missing a couple. Um, in a couple of years, this kid is going to be in. And I think Trevor Lawrence is, is ascending towards that uh, that group of quarterbacks. But I think Drake May is is on the cusp of having a phenomenal run, whether it be in the final year of college football and then on to the pros. I mean, he looks like Justin Herbert's starter kid, doesn't he? He does, yeah. 6'5", yes. 220, can run, uh-huh. physicality to his game. Accurate as you know what? Missed some passes last night. There were, there were some ones that he left on the field. True, but I... I didn't w- think he was the sharpest we've ever oh, seen. Oh, his Drake three play. touchdowns were... Well, those were beauties. I mean, there, there's no doubt. But left some plays also a needle. on the field. Here's what I'll say. He's still a freshman. True. Um, or is he a sophomore? Well, he's, he's got, yeah. He's, he'll be back for... One more year. Yes. Um, but regardless, this is a mediocre team that he's quarterbacking. Yes, yeah. This, this is a eh, middle-of-the-road kind of offense with the exception of him. My God, he was good. That, that, and then 27-27, all they need is the extra point to win the Holiday Bowl. Oregon scores. Here comes their kicker onto the field. And it caromed off the upright and through. And miraculously, um, you know, splits the uprights, I guess you want to call it that. Mm-hmm. But what what a finish. What a game. What a great night. Uh, the uh, the nightcap was, I mean, it was, it's kind of good to see Texas Tech assert themselves mm-hmm. for the Big 12. And um, as they certainly did. Boy, this Texas Tech team. Tyler Shook looked good. He did. And he's coming back. As uh, they all are. Maybe as good as we've seen him. Mm-hmm. I, I know he came out with big-time accolades yeah. coming in to Oregon. Didn't quite see it no. there. No, it was the year 2020. True, true. You don't want to read yep. too much into that. Yep. Uh, battling with the job. I thought there was times Texas Tech, looking back, I well, thought there was go times. back to the Pac-12 championship game that oh, yeah. year. He lost his job. He, right. lost, he, w- he was pulled in that game. Look, the, you know who they remind me of? Iowa State. Two years ago. Yeah. When their arrow was pointing way up, and they're all coming back and taking advantage of that extra year. Apparently, that's the case with the Red Raiders, uh, that they're all coming back because they've got some unfinished business. Now, we saw unfinished business for Iowa State was 7-6. and six. Donovan Smith for times this year. He probably should be the yeah. starter. Yeah. And then that Morton kid who came yes, in. Yes, he was I good. I can't remember what game. He was outstanding. We talked about him. I remember that. And then he played the next week. He was awful. <laughs> and here's Shuck. Just hanging out. Yep. Both those guys ended up getting injured. 
Texas Tech, Arrow, we talked about this yesterday, maybe pointing in the right direction. Yeah. And they re-up re McGuire, extended him. Had a great recruiting class, certainly for their circumstances, in the new Big 12. What's the power structure? Because there isn't... I don't know. There isn't an easy top no, tier. No, there's not, because how's Houston going to fit in? How's right. BYU going to fit in? UCF? Central Florida's a pretty good school. Oh, by the way, Cincinnati's not bad. I, I'm with you, Trent. It's going to be fascinating to see how it plays out. Oklahoma State... I would say maybe would be the one. I guess, but but, but Baylor, yep. TCU, can mm-hmm. they build on what they did this year? I mean, they're going to need a new quarterback. Yep. Um, it's Look at Kansas. I think there are K-State. K-State's probably the best coach team in that league with Might what Kleiman has done. Might be. Brought in a good recruiting yep. class. I think they were you know, top 30. Mm-hmm. I saw rivals for Kansas State and a very good, not just Keegan Johnson, mm-hmm. but they hit the portal incredibly well. You know, they've done a really good job there. That's why I said when we were doing our show before the uh, the World Cup started that that I could I could see a path where Iowa State fades into the abyss of the Big Twelve again. Mm-hmm. And I didn't say that for reaction. I said that because I meant it. Yeah. I, I don't think it's that big of a stretch. Now could they could they um, not be there? Of course. Right. Um, they obviously this team that we saw this year. After, there's a lot of uh, areas that need improving, but this conference is going to be a you-know-what. Well, in top to bottom now, there mm-hmm. is no easy ones, nope. right? No, nope. You mentioned Kansas. That, that's a competent team, yeah. and they got Lance back for mm-hmm. at least the foreseeable future. Yep. You, you have to anticipate, as he had opportunities probably out there, and he decided that he was going to stay there and build that thing up. It's going to be incredibly difficult. It's going to be a fun conference. It's, and it's teams that are all similar. You know, there isn't. The Blue Bloods. Right. There is it. And there's no Texas. There's no Oklahoma once those teams vacate the premises. And there's an automatic bid that comes uh-huh. along with it. You uh-huh. win that championship. You're uh-huh. going to get into the 12-team playoff. On top of it, you know, if you have one of those years, say you do go 11-2. and two, You know, Is that enough to sneak in and, and be the second team out of your conference? I think in this league, Probably. absolutely. A chance. That's going to be the case. That's going to be there. Yeah, the SEC, they're going to be talking about getting three, four, sure. maybe five teams in in certain years. Big Ten, it's, hey, can we get three? Maybe four with everything breaking right. The Big 12, look, you're not going to get three or four teams. That, that's not a reality of today's environment when we look to the future. Can you build up to that? Can you get to that level? Regardless of how that plays out in the playoff, this is going to be a fun, oh. entertaining league with teams built similarly. Yep. I'm, I'm excited for it. The future, too. credit to Bob Bowlesby. Yes. He listened to us. He made chicken salad out of chicken you-know-what. As I was sitting hungover at Circa as we were doing our show as all that news was breaking. Yeah. And those were the teams that I threw mm-hmm. out. Now, I had Memphis in there. I didn't have BYU. I, think I had Memphis, too. Because BYU at the time felt like a lot of people said it was a non-starter. Well, because of some of the uh, off-the-field stuff right. and some of their, their views and values, I yes. guess. We thought that maybe that there would be bypass for that. But, but that aside, Bowlesby did a great job he here. He did. And maybe not done. No, look, at he... he um, he, I don't want to say, I don't know if, if, if it's probably unfair to say that, um, that his, he was going to be remembered for the press conference at Big 12 Media Days when everything's fine and we're all together and we don't have any problems and the next day it's the fan. Yeah. Um, but then for him to be able to cop, not cobble this together, this is more than that. Mm-hmm. This is legit conference. They're good. Not the SEC and the Big Ten. They're going to make buku bucks. But the, uh, but the new Big 12 certainly has its place. And, um, you know, when we get to the summer next year, we're trying to figure this out. It's we embarrass ourselves every year doing it. Yeah. I mean, next year is even going to add a different layer of it, right? Trying to well, how does this team fit in? And oh, it's going to it's going to be a blast. All right, let's get to Iowa real quick. So just help me out with this. Mm-hmm. Um, 
We've uh, the, the swarm's been in the news since before Christmas. So yesterday, at some point, the Hawkeye football Twitter account re- released the video that I think was kind of one of the focal points of the rift between, seemingly the rift, mm-hmm. between the athletic department and the Iowa Swarm. Um, and I thought that the athletic department pulled the rug out from uh, that video seeing the light of day because I thought that uh, Brad Heinrichs had said that they'd made arrangements for Kirk Ferentz to do one and for Fran McCaffrey to do mm-hmm. one, and that all of a sudden, just before we were about to release these, the athletic department stepped in and said, no, 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 we don't think that, that that's the right way to do it. And then the blowback and now the arrows that were pointed at Barda and blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. And I don't have to repeat myself. But then all of a sudden, this came out yesterday. So what do we make of this? Well, I think I read it a little bit different. So I have Brad's initial post here from Tom Caker's board from HawkeyeReport.com talking about this one and talking about the issue that came up. So this was Friday that he posted this and when kind of the firestorm started. So the 23rd. The 23rd, right, is when this uh, when this post was made by Brad over there. So yes, he said, we recorded a video with Kirk Ferentz and scheduled to do the same with Fran and Lisa where each coach asked Hawkeye fans to support Swarm. We sent it to Hawkeye Athletics two weeks ago, asked they send it to all-season ticket holders, or asked if they would send us the contact information of all-season ticket holders, and we would send out the video. Today, we were told that Iowa Athletics will not support us any further or comply with our request unless we comply with Title IX and raise money for all Hawkeye sports. So the way that I read this is they still didn't get, Brad still hasn't got what he wants. Which is the contact information? No, nor should he get it, by the right, way, because third-party entities right. and, and he's not allowed to get that stuff. But this being tweeted out by the Hawkeye football account, and the Iowa uh, athletics account on Twitter and social media, maybe it's a make good type Lip. of thing. But the end goal ultimately for Iowa Swarm is they want that contact information, yeah. and they still haven't got that. So maybe they're playing a little nicer. Mm-hmm. The Title IX component, though. It's something that is still baffling about this. How I was hiding behind this. I read a great thread today. I don't think. I, I don't think that uh, that it matters. This is not a university associated uh, endeavor, right? It it's absolutely not. It's, it's not separate. anything that falls into it. So this uh, thread today comes from Mitt Winter. Mitt Winter. It's at Winter Sports Law. He's a lawyer. And he handles sports law, business litigation, and is an NIL attorney. Pretty good Where's guy. Where's he based? Uh, Kansas City. Has he got a, uh, what do you call it, on his Twitter account where you can, a DM? He does not. Darn it. <laughs> he does not. So here is the thread uh, talking about that. He quote tweets Scott Dockerman's article about the Swarm Collective uh, gathering momentum in Iowa Athletics. So he quote tweets this, and uh, let's examine it. And the part that you and I have struggled with the most why is Iowa hiding behind Title IX? This is from Mitt Winter. Title IX has three components. Number one, is the school providing adequate sports participation opportunities to males and females? Number two, is the school distributing athletics, athlete, uh, excuse me, athletics-related financial aid on an equitable basis? And number three, are amenities tied to sports participation being allotted fairly? So goes through, talks about that, number one and number two, not a big deal. As it pertains to the third part of that one, that is amenities tied to sports participation. Right, because I instantly checked boxes one and two, but then I kind of, I'm not understanding box three. 
Mitt says this, I personally don't see the issue. By endorsing an NIL collective, Iowa is not providing an amenity to its athletes. It's endorsing a private business that already exists. If Iowa's athletic department is exhibiting some measure of control over the collective, that could lead to Title IX issues. Sufficient control could lead to collecting being deemed part of the athletic department, making collective itself subject to Title IX. That's not what this is, though. And ultimately, this is his final. There's no evidence that this is the case. Again, for Mitt Winter, as a privately funded third-party business, an NIL collective is not subject to Title IX's requirements for college athletic programs. Stop. I see it that way, too. Absolutely. I, uh, is this lawyers? Is this? Yes. This, this, is, the, this is their, their recent history. <laughs> Litigation yeah. has not gone their way. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think they're being overly cautious. We, we'll, we see how it So we have this. Out. We're right. I think so too, yeah. and I and I'm gonna I'm gonna stand by. Um, I think that this is a thawing of the ice by that video being released. Well, it was a ton of negative press. Oh, it was awful. It was awful, and it was all directed in one direction. And how many beat people talked about this? Uh, obviously, Tom Caker, mm-hmm. David Eichel, mm-hmm. Pat Hardy. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, Hardy. Yeah, Hardy was one of the first articles. Scott Dockerman. Yep, Doc's written a couple of pieces. I saw an article in the Register. Uh huh. Gazette. Yes. I know they did something. Yeah, what's the other guy? Step? Is that his name? John, John Step, yep. yeah. Basically everybody, right? Uh-huh. Everybody on the beat. All talked about this. I'm guessing all four of the time slots, uh, local time slots here mentioned at a time or two. Yeah, over I, the last I talked of about days. it a ton on my Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Uh-huh. It was a huge conversation piece at the beginning of the week. So it's been out there. And maybe this is Gary Bardis. Ooh, maybe we misstepped here. Yeah, back the wrong horse. Maybe we made a mistake. Let's see if we can do something here. So it's really interesting. It is. And again, as we look around college sports and the way other programs are doing things in Iowa, that athletic department's just got to make it so damn difficult, don't they? Stephen M. Sipple next. We'll preview Hawks, Huskers. What's Nebraska done right so far? We'll also take a look at the football program, what Matt Rule has done since he's taken over the reins. Sipple is next. Bill Bender is here this hour as well. Matt Poston's on the Big 12. Kicks off hour number two. Then we'll head to Nashville to catch up with David Eicholt. Four of you will have a chance to win Claxton's Barbecue. It's Miller and Condon. Ron, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3. 1-800-BETS-OFF. He is hurt. Sports Station 106.3 KXNO. Trent Condon, Ken Miller with you here until, oh, just before 1 o'clock. I see 10 Major League umpires hanging it up at the end of the year. Does that seem like a lot to you? 10? And, and Angel Hernandez isn't one of them? Well, that's a problem, right? <laughs> Ted Barrett, Greg Gibson, Tom Hallion, Sam Holbrook, Jerry Mills, Jim Reynolds, Bill Welke, Marty Foster, Paul Newart, and Tim Timmons. That's just some guys we've heard of. Oh, absolutely. Right. Get uh, some new blood in there. Is that a bad thing? No, I don't think it is. Yeah. I, I, I see it that way to, as well. Um, you know, it's it's, it's kind of like the newspaper business, right? Because one of these days, these umpires are going to be, yeah. when you think, robo-umped. Stephen M. Sipple used to be in the newspaper business. Now he's in the online business on 3.com. He covers Nebraska. How are you, Sip? Happy holidays. <laughs> Happy New Year in a couple of days. How you been? Well... I'm doing fine. I hope you're doing well. I appreciate your grace. I know I was. Yeah, you a... stiffed us the other day. That's all right. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. It was not, not intentional. Um, hey, look what happens, brother. You're in the radio business. What, you, you have know. a chicken dinner going on? What was happening? You, you're out there talking to the people the at Padoka? Chickens? What's yeah. going on? No, no. No, no chicken dinners. We're not talking about that. Um, 
I pulled in this morning. My wife said, go keep the chickens company. They're cold. Um, so, no, my wife doesn't want to hear about chicken dinners, okay? <laughs> so, is you still, so you still got the birds in the backyard, right? We still got them. They survived that. We had a 50. Yeah, us too, brother. Yeah, that 50 below thing. Oof. Uh, you worry about. I mean, they got a heated coop, but still it's. You know, you, you wonder a little bit. Absolutely. Hey, let's uh, let's save the basketball for just a second. Let's catch up football wise. Been a whirlwind uh, with building a staff, Matt Rule getting the gig, and then a <laughs> signing day, etc. Sip, um, as uh, as I've told you before, I'm yeah. a subscriber at On Three because you're there, um, and I'm t- I'm keeping up on what's going on over there. It seems like they've done pretty well, right? That rules come in. Sure, they've missed some guys. They've lost some guys. They've kept some guys. Which uh, uh, Malachi being number one, Malachi Coleman probably being the guy you wanted the most. But I think they've done. It's gone pretty well. Sip, do you see it that way? Uh, definitely. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't go too far down the road of putting a lot of stock in recruiting. Um, I'm kind of that guy who likes to judge the class two years in. Sure. I'll see how many. See how many guys are still around, um, that sort of thing. But there's no doubt that you can say, well, he added 19 guys in a three-week span. So I would say the level of organization was outstanding, I'd say. And I, I would say, I mean, he did that without a full staff. The level of one-two was high. People here really appreciate that, that sort of effort. It reminds the recruiting experts of Bill Callahan. Now, Bill Callahan was 27 and 22 here. He didn't have a great run, but it was good. And it wasn't, it, it was, he brought in a lot of talent. And their defense faltered. That was the issue. But it was a good, it was a good roster when he left. And Bo Pelini inherited it got a lot done with with a lot of the players that Bill Callahan brought in. Bill Callahan was an excellent recruiter. And this is rule kind of reminds us of that, which is a good sign. That's a really good sign. So, yeah, I mean, I've I've been really impressed with Matt. But listen, this is number six. This is head coach number six. (laughs) It's Osborne, okay? This is six. So, and there's a lot of people like me now. That you just don't even want to go too far with mm-hmm. praise, and you don't want to get too, you don't want to go too far down the road thinking, okay, this is it, this is the one. Ah, I mean, we, we've been hit, burned so so much here that you're just kind of caught. Everybody, I, I it's, it's a really, it's really evident. It's striking to me that feeling here of caution. You know, don't, I don't want to, I don't want to feel too good about this. Um, it's very real. It's very real. Not just getting players. That's a huge component, no doubt about it. you got to have dudes, right? Yeah. But the culture, not even X's and O's, just the culture of Nebraska football. Scott Frost, the culture was not good there. And I think that goes without saying. What about rebuilding that and the difficult nature of it? How do you feel that's going? I know it's an outsider perspective. You're not there. You're not talking to the guys in that kind of level. But but rebuilding the culture, it's a huge, huge part of this for Matt Rule. How is he going about that in your mind? It's a huge part. It's way too early to say, Trent. He doesn't have his staff in place yet. Yeah. He's got three openings on his staff. They're really culture. You're really the, the roster's unsettled. I mean, it's they just lost 
two critical defenders. They've lost, man. I mean, the, the defense, I mean, you could say, you know, a few weeks ago, they could have 11 starters back on defense or 11 guys with starting experience. And with a lot of starting experience, well, that number's down to nine or eight. Um, they've lost some big pieces now. So culture, I don't know. I, it's, too, it's too early to say culture to me was Garrett Nelson. I mean, Garrett Nelson was the foremost leader on the team. Well, he just announced yep. a couple of days ago going to the NFL. Culture, to me, was Colton Feast, who was graded as their best run stop, or walk-on kid from Utah, tougher than hell. Um, not highly, I mean, was recruited hardly at all, but rose to black shirt level. That was culture. That, was, that guy's culture. Um, he's gone. He just announced yesterday he's not coming back for a six-year. Um, I... I don't know. It's hard to say that right now. Hard to know what kind of impact rule is going to have. The big question around here is how much. Okay, so your new coach comes in, has a long contract. Is he going to? Is he? Gonna, how much urgency is he going to feel mm. about next season, or is this just going to be okay? We're just going to kind of do what we do what we can, and if we win three or four, that's okay because we got. We're laying the foundation, you know. I don't know. I don't know how. I, Trent, I, I raise that question because we don't. That's kind of a culture question, right? I don't know. I don't know how he's going to approach mm-hmm. it. Hmm. Frost, so, for instance. Go ahead. One one other thought. Yeah, one other thought. Frost went deep into the portal, like twenty one guys, uh, to save his job. They're going to need a lot of portal help, but is is Rule going to operate like a man trying to save his job or a man yeah. that has a lot of time and wants to build a foundation? That's the question. Yeah, that's a fair point, too. Good point. Uh, Sip, let's uh, get to uh, on the hardwood. Uh, the vault's going to be packed tonight. Every ticket is gone. Six o'clock tip. Big Ten Network has, of course, you get down the hall. If you're not in front of your TV, you can hear it on 1040 WHO. Um it, it, it seems going into the season that there wasn't a lot of optimism around it, right? It seemed like Hoiberg's going to play out the string. It's not going to end well, dot, dot, dot. Then they do something they very seldom do. They go to Omaha and they beat Creighton and beat them convincingly. If it would have, should have, I mean, Purdue, that would have been their first and only loss of the year. Because I don't think they've lost. Have they? Trent Purdue's unbeaten, right? Yeah, they're unbeaten still. Um, they had them on the ropes, and if not for a bad whistle, I, I think that could have been different. So are they exceeding expectations? What's behind seemingly Nebraska being, you know, having a pulse when not uh, a lot of folks gave them uh, hope to even have that? Well, Fred did a good job. Okay, Trent asked me about football culture. Fred Hoiberg did a very good job of kind of shifting the culture here, shifting the way of doing things in his program. It was an abrupt shift, and it's it's been pretty good. I mean, it, meaning he went from being very offensive minded. You know, we're going to run a we're going. He's an offensive minded coach. Uh, it's going to be a wide open offense. Um, and he kind of shifted it to you know what we're, 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 we're going to bring in some. Hard-nosed, rugged defenders. We're going to rebound, um, and we're going we're to get to loose balls like they ha- like Nebraska has it in the last few years. Now they do. Now they do. They're tough. You're going to see a much di- different team. It's a tough team. It's a team that Nebraska fans have that it's easy to get behind this Nebraska team. It's probably why a lot you know the tickets, the place is sold out. Now they just they, now all that said, they come off a terrible. Well, they don't come off. They, they, they're 
second to last game was a loss at Kansas State where they didn't show up. They didn't play well. It was, they didn't even play well defensively for half the game. Um, they, they come off a win against Queens, but the bottom line is they do have, I mean, you'll know these guys tonight. You'll see them. Jawan Gary, tough. You'll notice, you'll, you'll say Sipple was right. Jawan Gary's tough. Emmanuel Bandamo, tough. Gary came from Alabama. Bandamo came from Et- SMU. They got Sam Greasel, tough kid, transferred from North Dakota State. Um, those guys are real. I mean, they're they're not great scores. They're not bad, but they're really hard nosed competitors. All of them. Derek Walker's playing really pretty. Uh, I'd say pretty well to really well at times in the post. It'll be tough for Iowa. I mean, I I, I imagine this will be a tough game. Place will be hot. See, here's the thing, guys. This is the thing I got to emphasize. Nebraska's 0-2 in the Big Ten. They have Iowa at home. Now they have two road games after that. Mm-hmm. You go 0-3 staring at two road games, you're in trouble right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. There's, there'll be urgency. Nebraska will play with a lot of urgency tonight. So we'll see. They don't shoot the ball well, though. It's just kind of the same old thing with Fred's teams. They just don't shoot it. Um, they're going to have to outscrap, get some easy baskets, and hope one or two of their guys, like Kase Tomanaga or C.J. Welcher, they're, they're their shooters. If both those guys are going, they'll have a great shot to win. Well, I got a great elixir for him. Here comes the Iowa defense to town. And, well, I'll, I'll tell you, I'm already looking here. Looks like Wilhelm Breidbach, he's shooting 17% from three. He'll probably hit four or five tonight. Uh, that's what Iowa's defense has done, certainly in the past. Hey, one final thing, and running the point, you mentioned Sam Greasel, a kid that yeah. grew up in Lincoln, went to North Dakota State, had a very good career there. Big kid, six foot seven, yet running the point a lot for this uh, Nebraska team. Uh, fill us in on that story. Pretty cool story, a kid coming home and being able to play his final season after being four years in the Summit League. Well, he, yeah, it is. It's like a dream come true for him to play it. I mean, he's a Husker fan, and, and this is he plays like it's a dream come true. He, hmm. He's not a great shooter. Like He's, he's like Van Dommel and Gary, the guys I mentioned at that. He's Tougher than nails, he's a good basketball player, just doesn't shoot the ball that well. But you'll notice that you'll see big shoulder guard, um, can back you down in the post, does kind of whatever he has to do type guy, defends really well. I mean, just goes after loose balls like his life depends on it. Um, but yeah, you'll you'll see a pretty big change in Nebraska. If they lose tonight, it won't be for because they didn't show up. Um, I mean, again, Kansas State was bad. That was a bad loss. There was, there was a lot of people were watching that game in Kansas City and thinking, okay, this is where they could really, you know what? This is going to sound odd, but this is where they could put a win against Creighton and put a win against Kansas State. You could put that on an NCAA resume and it looked pretty good. They blew it. They just blew it. Mm. Now they're back against the wall a little bit um, in the Big Ten, and it's big. I think the fans here kind of sense this is, Critical early season game for Nebraska. And for Iowa as well, Sip, uh, because they're coming off a stinging loss as well. Quad four, which was just head-scratching. Sip, uh, thanks for doing this for us, as always. We appreciate it. I see that they end the season playing each other. Uh, we'll talk to you, you know, somewhere around there if, if nothing uh, pops up before that we need to reach out to you. Thank you, Stephen M. Happy New Year, brother. Happy New Year to you guys. Take care. Thank you. Thanks, Stephen Sip. M. Sipple.
on three media covers in Nebraska. Um, do you have an opinion? I mean, that's a pretty urgent spot tonight for the Huskers as well, by sounds of things. It is. It's a huge spot for both sides really here. Is. Uh, this is part of my plays of the day yes, presented by Circus Sports at the end of the program. Well, we'll wait for that. Miller and Condon, well, when we come back, Bill Bender. We'll get in college football. I'll have Bill take a look at these playoff games and some of the other New Year's Six games as well. It's Miller and Condon. We're on Des Moines Sports Station, 106. Now back to Miller and Condon on 106.3 KXNO. Here's Ken and Trent. Hi, Miller and Condon. Welcome back to Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. I meant to mention this earlier, Trent. Uh, not good on our part for missing the Jazz Coons out for yeah. a month. Broken finger. Uh, somebody's going to have to step up. Trey King, you're... Come on down because <laughs> they need the scoring, and that's Indeed. one thing Jazz could do for them. That is a blow. And what we know, the difficult nature of the Big 12, mm. an uphill climb became that much more difficult for the Cyclones. Yeah, it sounds like a, a month. Maybe they're around the SEC Big 12 Challenge mm. weekend. Maybe. Uh, let's get to Bill Bender. Some other breaking news. It hasn't broken officially yet. Just the story has been uh, leaked or it's out there. Pete Thamel uh, wrote it to Bill. I'm sure you've seen it. Kevin Warren apparently uh, has interviewed to become the next president and uh, CEO of the Chicago Bears. So obviously no stranger to the NFL for what he did when he worked with the Vikings and helping U.S. Bank Stadium, dot, 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 becomes the Big Ten commissioner. I think he's done a really good job. Uh, in my opinion, I, I give everybody a pass during the pandemic. There is no handbook. You know, well, turn to this chapter. This right. is how, No, it's a pandemic, for crying out loud. Mm-hmm. So I, give him, I cut him in some slack. Just your thoughts on that, Bill. Uh, Kevin Warren potentially uh, leaving the uh, commissionership of the Big Ten and headed to the Bears. That's not an easy job. It's not a it's definitely a thankless job. And like you said, I mean, he was criticized heavily during the COVID year, um, but I, he thought he got the job done. Um, and then getting the conference to expand. Uh, right. I think the only thing he did wrong in the COVID year, and it's not a perfect thing, it's just the scheduling part had to be hard because it just looked like the SEC did everything right and the Big Ten did everything wrong. But at the end of the day, they still got a team in the national championship game that year. That's and uh, how about this year? They, they have two teams in the playoffs. And I think it's being underplayed that you could have, yeah. which would be one of the biggest college football games of all time. It's true. And, boy, that I mean, the buildup here. Oh. We've seen the SEC stunk for us here in the Midwest, something like that, though. For Big Ten fans to get that opportunity and get the rematch, it would be absolutely incredible. Ken and I were talking right before, as this was breaking, right as we were going to break there, and we were talking about it off air. This job, whoever becomes the new Big Ten commissioner, got pretty easy, right? TV contract set. You're at 16 with the addition of UCLA-USC. I mean, that's about going out there and collecting some checks for a while. Hard work doesn't begin for five, six, seven years down the line. I think there's going to be a lot of people lighted up for this Big Ten commissioner job. So did Kevin Warren accept it? No, not, not officially yet. Not officially. No, yet. no, not yet. Okay, so I was like, I'm like, do I need to hang up and go work? No, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. No, if I've got some time, no, i got time. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's an attractive job. It's, I think the two most powerful positions, well, the three most in college football would be what? College football playoff director, Bill yeah. Hancock. And, yeah. Kevin and Warren in the there. SEC. Yeah. Uh, Kevin or Greg Sankey and whoever takes yeah. this job. Yeah. I mean, those are the three most important people in college football with the, the most weight. And, you know, you're, you're controlling a conference that, boy, look at the collection of coaches it has. Unbelievable. Mm. A, a collection of coaches. 
especially with Rule, uh, Riley, Chip Kelly coming in. Luke Fickle was on the sideline the other night. That was outstanding. Uh, I'm with you. So let's get into these playoff games, Bill, and let's uh, let's try and make a case that we do see Ohio State, Michigan. I, I'm with you. The, the, last year we had Alabama and Georgia. If it's two Big Ten schools, so be it. So here's how I see it. Tell me if I'm right or wrong. Obviously, Jalen Carter is like nobody on the field or nobody I don't think left in the playoff. He is a disruptor. You can't block him. He's going to be, in all likelihood, the second pick because I'm assuming someone will take a quarterback at one, whoever that is. Carter's not going to last long. So if he can get the Stroud, and which obviously he needs to do, if Stroud gets time, that gifted receiving core, I think goes against maybe the weakness of Georgia, and that's their secondary. Not that they're brutal. I think that uh, that Stroud can do some business through the air. Can they block Carter and allow Stroud to get time to throw the ball? That's what we're going to find out. I think definitely that that's the matchup, right? Um Harrison versus Ringo is one that mm. NFL scouts obviously will be watching. Egbuka, I think where Ohio State's going to have to throw early is 10 to 20 yard box, you know, and I, they've done that in the past against Clemson, and then that sets up the deep stuff later. Uh, I don't think you want to hold the ball too long because Georgia's going to be coming, and we'll see how the speed translates. I mean, this is a game that Ohio State absolutely can win. It's not like it's not like Georgia's going to have so much more talent. Than Ohio State. I mean, both rosters have a ton of four and five star NFL guys. So it's going to be a fun matchup. Definitely looking forward to it. You know, one angle that I've struggled to kind of wrap my mind around with this game is the motivation angle. Yeah, it's a college football playoff, right? But after that loss to Michigan, where Ryan D. Day has this team's head, you know, how to pull them back after you got to anticipate. If they didn't make the playoff, there are going to be opt outs all over the place. There are going to be guys preparing for the draft, CJ Stroud, Amound them. How you kind of pull them back in, rein them back in, get them excited? Yeah, it's a chance to play for a championship. A- any idea, listening to Ryan Day here over this last month, how how he's worked to do that and, I don't know, get that buy-in factor back for the Buckeyes? Well, it's not going to be easy because, I mean, they. I think they're sick of talking about Michigan, but mm-hmm. the media is still talking about Michigan. <laughs> right. it's, you know, half of the questions when I went over to availability at, at the Woody Tuesday, a couple Tuesdays ago were, it was like 50% Michigan, Jeez. or no, 40% Michigan, 20% what happens if you play Michigan. <laughs> By the way, you play Georgia. So it's like, to me, it's just they've got to move forward, and that's a big challenge. I actually think the players are in a better spot. I mean, if I was – the only thing that stood out to me was C.J. Stroud looked very agitated at that line of questioning. And, you know, the quarterback has to wear that, as you guys know. But what, what program, 11-1 and – Heisman Finals quarterback in the playoffs, and half the fan base is miserable. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess that's it's the crazy. air that they breathe in Columbus, right? So let's talk about the other one. Uh, we talked about this game earlier in the week. I'm going to steal your line, Trent, because I thought when you said it, you were spot on. Um, that this game is going to be really good, or TCU is going to get blown out. And I kind of see it Trent's way. Um, I mean, is is this going to be a good game? Look, I mean, the the quarterback receiver combination for TCU is as good as there is, maybe with the exception of Ohio State, as they got some dudes too. But uh, TCU, it's not like they're going to show up at this thing without weapons. But Michigan's just a different animal, aren't they? Uh, depends on. I, I think Trent's assessment spot on for starters. But what will determine that won't be TCU. I think it'll be Michigan. I mean, which Michigan shows up? If it's the Michigan that played against Ohio State in the second half and against Purdue, then this game's not going to take very long. If it's the Michigan that 
kind of slog through it with Illinois and almost let the Illini sneak past them, then, yeah, we'll have a four-quarter game. And I think it comes down to Max Duggan on the other side. Is he going to be a factor running the football to give them something extra to think about? If Michigan makes TCU one-dimensional and limits the big plays, then, uh, yeah, Jim Harbaugh is going to have his first national championship shot. Which would be incredible. From where this program was in 2020, getting the playoff last year, a huge step, and then taking another step there. You, know, you talked about what it would be like if we get an all-Big Ten championship game. What if it is the two favorites win, though? We get Michigan against Georgia. Georgia, and especially if they do win comfortably, you know, they win 35-17 against the Buckeyes, something like that. How much buildup is it going to be after seeing what happened a year ago with the Wolverines and the Bulldogs? It, it almost feels kind of ho-hum trying to find a narrative where how Michigan could win that game against another behemoth in Georgia. Yeah, that'll be the question. It'll be what, what has changed. And some of it will mm-hmm. come off of you know, how that game transpires. Uh, you know, what, is, what does it look like Ohio State? If it's a close game, I think Georgia would feel like, or Michigan might feel like, hey, we can get those guys. And that's, that's just the big question. What has changed from last year? And, you know, this Michigan team does feel different to me. It's crazy to say that a team that loses Ojabo and Hutch on the defensive side, Hutch has been really good for the Lions. Mm-hmm. Um, that they're, I think they're better defensively. And, and offensively, Gorm's injury, as strange as it sounds, and they're not a better team without Blake Gorm, but I think it forced them to make some changes to their offense that might be more conducive to playoff success, if that makes sense. Bill, if you could only watch one of the uh, – throughout the playoffs, the other four New Year's Six, but which one piques your interest more than the others? Uh, they'll all be fun. I think tonight, you know, Clemson and Tennessee, if Hooker and Hyatt were playing, I'd be a lot more interested yeah. in it. Um, the Rose Bowl, there's some key opt-outs. I mean, I'll watch Bryce Young in Alabama. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to take it to Kansas State, unfortunately, and, and then Tulane and USC. They're all good matchups, but there's just that little thing wrong with them. But probably tonight, because we want to see what Clemson really has with Cade Klubnick. And if they win this game, you know, had they gone to Klubnik after that Syracuse game, I still wonder if they would have lost. Yeah, I think they, you know, what it would have looked like against Notre Dame with Klubnik and South Carolina with Klubnik. Give us your viewpoint on Iowa, Kentucky. I mean, we've been trying to get this game. We we're looking. Obviously, it's a bowl game. We got we're to talk selling about. it hard, Bill. <laughs> it's it's difficult here from the national perspective, and you have Alabama, K State happening at the same mm-hmm. time. I mean. You, you're going to flip back and forth between those two games. It's going to look like two completely different sports. <laughs> yeah, it'd be a slugfest. And, you know, Kentucky had a disappointing season, obviously. Um, Levis moving on. Yeah, it's going to be starved for offense. But, I mean, if you like watching good defense, Kentucky's got dudes on that mm-hmm. side of the ball. Iowa obviously had a couple guys on our All-American team, Jack Campbell, Kayvon, Merriweather. Um, it's just, uh, you know, this is uh, – ultimate slugfest bull game. They've done it before, and they'll probably get, let's say, first one to 21 wins. Um, you're right about the timing. It's Maybe that's something they need to address in the future. It's hard to go up against a Sugar Bowl yeah. and expect a lot of people to watch. Indeed. Bill Bender, Happy New Year. Sporting News, we can read Bill, covers college football, covers the NFL. Uh, thank you, Bill Bender. Appreciate you coming on. We'll talk to you in 23. Happy New Year, Bill. Hey, Happy New Year, guys. Thanks so much for all you do. Appreciate yep. you. Good to talk to you, Bill Benner, as we catch up with our buddy from the Sporting News. Yeah, some fun games today. I am still... Yeah, but the Clemson-Tennessee game's tomorrow. I didn't want to stop them, but it's tomorrow. Now. Yeah. I, the uh, Washington-Texas game tonight, though, uh-huh. 
uniform the game Alamo Bowl. in the mid-afternoon, 4.30 with Oklahoma, uh-huh. Florida State. And then Minnesota. So I found they're this interesting. They're a bigger favorite than I oh, thought. Oh, they're huge. So I saw this from Andy Greeter. He's the beat writer for the Pioneer Press for the Gophers. And he had this Twitter poll because I was seeing, is Tanner Morgan going to start? There's still nothing out there. We are an hour away, and I still have found nothing because that kind of goes into my yeah. handicap for this game. So we put out this poll question. What should Minnesota do? Because Tanner Morgan is cleared to play. But Phil Fleck wouldn't say what's going to happen last night uh, when he uh, mentioned that he is cleared to play. So the poll is, start Tanner Morgan, give Tanner Morgan a cameo, maybe mm-hmm. take the first snap, whatever yep. it is. Uh, hope Morgan gets the victory formation at the end of the game, or the final one, start and ride with Ethan. And it's split between getting Morgan out there in some fashion and going with the young guy. I after what we saw against Wisconsin, don't you have to go I think you do. with Cal Manis? I, I, I totally agree with you. This can't be that difficult. I, I know Tanner Morgan's met a lot for that program. Yeah, he has. But never quite got over the hump nope, either. he didn't. Had the great season of 2019 that came crashing down in Iowa City. Yeah. It's had moments. Yeah, they were unbeaten. They right? were. Yeah. Ranked in the top five. Uh-huh. And then Phil Fleck just couldn't figure it up against Kirk Ferentz. What a wild run that's I wonder been. wonder what it's like in New York, whether they... Ooh. With the pinstripe. Did you look? Let's see here. Weather, New York City, 35 degrees and clear. I know one thing. Fleck won't be wearing a hat. <laughs> Bald head will be on the full display. And he'll lead the team out there because right it's all about Phil. Uh, hour two, uh, we'll talk about the Big 12 with Matt Postens. We'll head to Nashville with Dave Ike Colt and Claxon's Barbecue Giveaway, Miller & Condit, Des Moines,